today we're reading the book of Jonah, the whole book of Jonah, which, to be fair, is only four chapters, but felt like that was enough. And so um, we have some guests to help us read together, because you all don't want to hear me read four chapters uh, all at the same time. Let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day from the book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast cast lots so that that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell Tell us us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What What is is this that you have have done? done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. Then he said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, Do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then 
Jonah prayed to the Lord God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and the Lord answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast. And everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and have a change of heart. The Lord may turn from the fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God had a change of heart about the calamity that the Lord had said would be brought upon them. And the Lord did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade. (laughs) Sorry, he's under baby waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose... God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, It is better for me to die than to live. 
But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, yes angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor, and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you. Okay, so as you all can probably tell, Jonah, of all of the people who are called in Scripture, and there are tons, Jonah is my favorite. Uh, he makes me giggle. Um, he's just too much. Uh, but I honestly... As I've spent more and more time with him, the reason I think I love him is he's just the most human. Don't you think? I think Moses probably comes a close second. You know, he comes down from the mountain and the people are worshiping idols and he's like, what are you doing? Crack, there goes the tablet. Um, but Jonah just is just the epitome. So very much like almost everyone we can imagine looking around. Insane. His reaction is just the most human response to God's call on our lives. And other than one big plot point, I would bet that most of us sort of skip over the book of Jonah. That the details of the story kind of get lost for us. So, for example, when I ask you, um, what do you know about Jonah, what would you say? The fish, the whale, getting swallowed up, right? Like that. That's the Sunday school lesson that our kids always come home with and look at us like, what is that? Wait, I thought you liked whales. I don't want to go whale watching. No. So, yeah, the giant whale who swallows Jonah and then spits him out. We focus on the most fantastical portion of Jonah's story. And I think we end up missing the fact that God points Jonah in one direction. God says to Jonah, go where? Go to Nineveh. Go this way. And when you look at it on the map, it is way over here. And Jonah says, mm, I don't think so. I'm going to Tarshish, which is way over here. And he doesn't just think it. He then goes down to Joppa and then finds a boat and then says, I'm hopping on the boat with you and goes in the exact opposite direction of where God tells him to go. Go to Nineveh? Mm -mm. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm going that way. Does that feel familiar to anyone? You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> I'll be honest, it feels very, very familiar to me. In college, God put this little inkling into my heart. Oh, you're going you're gonna to work for the church. And I thought, no, well, I'm not. <laughs> I'll, work, I'll, I'll be a teacher. That's what I'll do. That is serving. That is God's purpose. And that is good. I'm not working for the church, but look where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know? Jonah resonates. Jonah resonates. Jesus told his disciples to feed the hungry, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, heal the sick. Jesus pointed his disciples toward Nineveh. That great city, with all of its needs, and through the years, in one way or another, Christians have found themselves on a boat to Tarshish, fleeing in the opposite direction. But let me stop myself and look a little closer at Jonah. What was so special about Jonah? Why did God feel that Jonah was the right person to send to Nineveh? If you look in the book, it is not there. It is not there. The truth is, we never really know what it was about Jonah that God said, "Mm, you're the right person, let's go to Nineveh. We do not know. Which tells me that it's not about the person God sends. That it's about God's purposes. So when we think, oh, I'm not the right person for that. I don't have those gifts. I don't have those skills. I don't want to do that. We should take a breath and remember that it's not about us, but it's about the one who sends. At the beginning of this story, Jonah, I imagine, is just busy living his normal, everyday life. Like I said, we never find out what he does for a living. We never find out if he has a family. But apparently those details don't matter. The story starts off like the horses at the beginning of a race. Shoot right out of the gates. Go, just go to Nineveh. God comes a-calling. God calling Jonah to leave all he knows and go to Nineveh. To Nineveh. Of all places, to Nineveh? No thank you. Now, I had to do some research, and I did. when I did that, I was like, mm, I'm not going to Nineveh. <laughs> no, thank you. What is so bad about Nineveh, you ask? Well, it was a city on the east bank of the Tigris River in Assyria. Hmm. There's the big problem. The Assyrians weren't too popular in Israel. In 8th century and 7th centuries BCE, the Assyrians plundered Palestine, looting and burning its cities, and deporting its inhabitants across their kingdom. The diaspora, taking the Jewish leaders, the pretty and the popular ones, I like to call it, and sending them across the Assyrian Empire so that Israel, so that Jerusalem could not organize and maintain its identity. They destroyed Israel. The Assyrians were not popular. In other words, to the original audience of the Jonah story, Jonah story, Nineveh was an abomination. It was an object of intense hostility. Jonah would have had no desire to go to Nineveh for any reason. He, they took our people. I'm not going to them. No way. Why do they deserve to get this prophecy? Just do it. Just wipe them out. I'm I'm going to Tarshish. No way. Not doing it. 
in his mind, if God was going to wipe out the Ninevites, so much the better. No skin off his teeth. If God called Jonah to go somewhere else, to Rome, to Corinth, to anywhere else, a different city, in a different region, perhaps Jonah would have had a different reaction. But as it was, God was calling Jonah to go to Nineveh. God was calling Jonah to face his own biases, his own racism, his own fears. And for Jonah, that was just too much. I cannot go to those people. They are dirty. They are unclean. I cannot go there. They hate us. They'll just kill me and cart me off somewhere else. I cannot go to Nineveh. So instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah hops down to Joppa to hop on a boat to Tarshish, the farthest city that he could find from the Assyrians. You want me to go here? I'm going over there. Thank you very much. So Jonah hops his cruise to Tarshish. I'm sure it wasn't really a cruise, but he hops his cruise to Tarshish. And I like to imagine that he was in his room laughing at himself or to himself. <laughs> you know, right, Nineveh, look at me. I'm on my way to Tarshish. As if. And then he drifts off to sleep. And while he sleeps, God makes a scene. God makes a great, big, wet scene. God involves everyone around Jonah in this scene in order to get Jonah's attention. <laughs> you think you're going to Tarshish? We'll see about that. Let's see how this is going to play out. We learn here from Jonah's experience that God has a way of finding us. When we ignore God's call, God has a way of finding us. For Jonah, it was a huge storm and an even bigger fish. For us, it could be any number of things coming and coming and coming again. Now listen, some of us get caught up in the reality of this fish. And I get it. Did a fish really swallow Jonah? I get that question all the time. Every time I would teach Sunday school, the kids would say, Does this really happen? What? How can we believe in a God that where a fish swallowed Jonah? That, what? But this is my answer. Let us not forget that this is a story. And in stories, God can reach us in powerful ways that we don't always understand. The truth this story communicates is that our God is persistent. God calls us, we ignore God, so God is going to call us again and again and again. God is going to use every means necessary to get our attention so that God's purposes can be worked out in the world in the way that God intends. God does what is needed 
to get us to open our ears and our hearts. God does not give up on us. God does not let us off the hook. Even if God has to send the proverbial fish to get us to pay attention. So God gets Jonah's attention. And Jonah finally listens. Jonah gets spit out on the shore. And God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, okay. Let me wipe the saliva off my face. Off to Nineveh, I am going to go. That great city of sin. And Jonah is just half hoping that no one there will listen. He is hoping that these Assyrians, that he's going to get there and that they will just kill him in the street so that God will do what God has said God is going to do. Level that awful city. Work out God's mighty wrath. Take them out. If you have to take me with them, fine. But do it. I'm going. So he walks a day's journey into the city, proclaims the message that God has put in his heart. And guess what? Nineveh showed up. Instead of leveling the city, the Ninevites heard God's message. They heard the promise that God had made. And they did not flee to Tarshish, by the way. What did they do? They put on sackcloth and ashes and sat in their mourning, making amends, promising to do better. The whole town, including the king, come forward in sackcloth and ash to fast and pray for God's forgiveness. And Jonah does not know what to do with them. I imagine he had a good laugh at their expense saying, yeah, right, like that's going to happen, get them. But the laugh was on him. He pitches a royal fit when God's mind is changed by the actions of the Ninevites. I mean, it is like a toddler having a tantrum. It becomes clear that Jonah could never understand God's forgiveness. He never quite understood the wideness of God's mercy. Jonah has lost all perspective. He's trapped in his worldview. And God is saying that I'm so much more than what you can imagine. This reversal, this defeat of Jonah's perspective is just too much for him. It's too great for his mind to understand. So he sees nothing else than just kill me now. Just do it. I mean, what is going on? That's how trapped he is by the systems of his world. By the powers and principalities that say 
this is how we must always treat and react to another person. And God says, my, worst, my mercy is huge and big and wide, so let go of that. And Jonah, instead of learning from his past mistake, he goes in his own way to Tarshish again. He leaves the city, he sits on a hill, he builds a booth so that he can lament and wait for his death. Oh! He hasn't quite learned the message. Is he ever really going to learn this lesson? And that, I think, is why I love Jonah so much. He is a wonderfully flawed human being who, like us, so often allow the mess of our lives to disrupt the message of God's love. In some ways, he steps up and listens. He responds to God's call. He goes so far, but he only allows that to permeate so deep into his heart to transform the way that he lives. He only lets that call permeate so deep to a level that he can still control, to a place where he still feels that he has some measure of power. Like so many of us, Jonah tries to control God and God's claim upon his life, not creating room for this great, big God to move and be at work in the world and to do amazing things. May we be bold enough to listen to God's call. May we be bold enough to trust enough to walk into Nineveh, to every Nineveh of our life, and to proclaim God's message. But at the same time, may we be bold enough to loosen our grip to hear God's message, to let go of the reins, to surrender to God's message, to God's call and claim upon our lives, and allow it to wash over us and through us, filling us and transforming us for God's love and service in the world. We might want to bop on down to Joppa and head for Tarshish. We might respond and get so far and then think, what? No, I'm building a booth. But may we pause and reflect and experience that the wideness of God's mercy is for all of these great and beautiful people, the y'all of God's story. But in the same way that the wideness and beauty and grace of God's love is also for each and every one of us, breaking us open to let go of the way that we understand the world to be, 
to see and experience God calling us to new ways of relating to one another. We don't know how the story of Jonah ends. It just ends. We don't know how long Jonah sat up in that booth waiting for the sun to bake him, bemoaning the fate of Nineveh and the grace that they got to enjoy. But in the end, do those facts really matter? What I am most curious about is how our story will end. How will we respond to God's call? Will we walk into into Nineveh to demand God's justice from the systems of the world? Will we walk into Nineveh to say, this ain't right, we have to do better? Will we throw open the doors of our hearts and allow God's grace to transform us in ways that we yet understand? positioning ourselves with a radical openness to the ways that the Spirit will move and call us anew. Because, friends, God is here. God is calling. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Because it's happening. And you might want to listen closely. And if not, I might stay away from the lake this summer. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Amen.